1 Kings chapter number 21. We're going to read three power-packed verses of Scripture. 1 Kings 21 verse 1 reads like this. And it came to pass after these things that Naboth the Jezreelite had a vineyard which was in Jezreel next to the palace of Ahab the king of Samaria. And so Ahab spoke to Naboth saying, Give me your vineyard that I may have it for a vegetable garden because it is near next to my house for it will, I will give you a vineyard better than it. Or if it seems to you, good to you, I will give you its worth in money. But Naboth said to Ahab, the Lord forbid that I should give the inheritance of my fathers to you. This morning, I want to preach to you from the subject, it's not for sale. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your word today. I pray that you would give us ears to hear and a heart to receive. Lord, right now, let your anointing come forward and minister to your people. And Lord, today, when we leave this place, may we not say, my, what a word, my, what a great song. May we leave this place and say, what an awesome God that we serve. Lord, I give you the praise and honor for it today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You can be seated this morning. Uh, I don't know about you today, but I've come with expectation in my heart. Uh, every time we gather together, it is an opportunity for us to come and see what the Lord will say to us. And uh, as I've been praying and meditating this week, it's been awesome because I've, I've been in a journey of looking into the Scripture and seeing the men and the women of God that God's hand has been upon, and he's raised them up for times and seasons to take stands against various things. And so we're starting a brand new series this morning entitled Courageous. Come on, say courageous. Say, Pastor, what's the line about? I'm going to tell you, the Bible says that the righteous are bold as lions. Can I tell you, God's people are supposed to be bold. We're supposed to be tenacious. We're supposed to be ferocious. The, yes, we're wise as a serpent and gentle as a dove, but when it comes to spiritual things and taking a stand for the things of God, we're supposed to be bold. Amen. I don't know about you, but in the hour in which we live today, the world does not need a weak, jellyback, emaciated church. It needs a people of God who are willing to stand up and to blow the trumpet in Zion once again, and to let the world know that Jesus is alive. Amen. We're to hold up the banner and the standard of God in the world in which we live. And so this morning, I have entitled this message, It's Not For Sale. Um, it's been said that everything in the world has a price. It's been said everything in the world has a price. But I want to give you a little bit of a different perspective today. I, don't, I think some things are invaluable. I think some things may be trash to other people, but treasure to others. To me, there are some things that are simply invaluable. There's some things that you cannot put a price on. For instance, if you had a copy of the Dead Sea Scrolls in your possession, and some Smithsonian or some museum piece or some place offered you money for that, some people would have no problem giving that away. But me, I wouldn't part with it from anything. For some of you, that may be different. It may be a picture or photograph of maybe your great-great-grandparents, the only one in its possession. Somebody may say, that is a beautiful picture. I'll give you $1,000 for it. But you understand that in that moment, that $1,000 that'll be spent very temporarily cannot replace the, that picture that is timeless 
and eternal. For some of you, it may not be that. It may be family heirlooms, guns that a great-great-grandfather passed down from maybe uh, when he was in the military. It could be land. It could be a car. It could be some type of token or possession. But we understand that there are some things in life that simply are not for sale. They're treasures. They're valuable. But yet, I have watched people. Unfortunate what sin does to people. I tell you, sin is terrible. Addiction is tragic. I have watched people who've lived good lives, made good incomes, had good jobs, have a tragic turn for the worse in their life, end up homeless and on the streets. Everybody's running from the state of California, but if you ever get a chance to visit and you're brave enough, I would encourage you to take a stroll down uh, what some of the slum areas, Skid Row specifically in Los Angeles. There, if you're not brave enough to go there, there's literally a YouTube channel. Watch it with discretion. But there's a YouTube channel that shares the testimonies of people who were just like you and me one day that through one turn or another have found themselves Homeless, addicted to methamphetamine, shooting heroin inside their veins, prostituting themselves, selling their own bodies because now the drug, sin, has, has enveloped their lives, sucked all of their self-worth out of them. You say, well, it could never be me, could it? The Bible says, take heed lest you stand, lest you fall. The Bible says that when somebody is overtaken in default, you who are Meek and humble, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. Consider your own self. Of what can cause a person to go from point A to point B in just a matter of a couple of years? And I've watched those people. Many of them spiraled out of control even when they got inheritances. Inheritances are a good thing. The Bible says that a, a, a godly man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. Definitely the implication there is, is not only finances, but it, it, it does include that. It talks about the passing on of legacy. It could be land. It could be different things. But there's something that comes from one generation that is perpetuated down to another. I have watched people who have struggled with money all their lives receive an instant $250,000, $300,000, and they're used to making McDonald's money. And now all of a sudden, now all of the addictions have become unbridled. And now it's alcohol and booze and parties and things of that nature. And the drug literally ravages their life. And they're willing to take that money that their parents and grandparents had worked for. They're willing to take that family farm that the, the grandpa slaved himself into having. And he worked day and night, morning to, to nighttime to have that farm. Literally sell it for pennies on the dollar. For drugs and alcohol. Sin is a terrible thing. One preacher said it like this. Sin will take you farther than you want to go. It'll keep you longer than you want to stay. It'll cost you more than you want to pay. Addiction is a devilish thing. So, you know, we look at people like that. There are other people who say simply, you know what, no matter what, it is not for sale. 
I watched something a few years ago. A little town that I lived in, most of my upbringing, Magnolia, Arkansas. My dad was a small town grocery store manager. His town, uh, his little store was like the, I would call it the middle class store. We had a, a, a big store in town. It was very pricey, but my dad ran the, the ethnic store, right? It was all of the, the, the middle class food, that, that type of stuff. And, and I remember the days before Super Walmart. Remember Walmart came to town and, and you know, basically they scouted out a place on the interstate and they said, we want this land right here. My wife worked at a convenience store across the street when she was in high school. Well, I remember Walmart came in. They said, well, we, we, we got this land over here for our store, but the problem is we need this land right here to be able to have an entrance into our property. The problem is somebody lived right there. The problem is that was somebody's family home that was given for years and years and years. And people were, were, were fussing and, and they were coming up with all of these offers and they were saying, uh, you know, well, we'll give you this amount of money to have access. And basically they were going to have to bulldoze the house down and go in and all that. And then he said, no, I'm not selling. And anyway, this dude, you can go look it up. This dude ended up having a standoff with the police. You're not taking it. Now, they ended up getting it. But he wasn't willing to go down without a fight. You may say, Pastor, that's crazy. But is it, though? Because I believe that there are some people that need to have enough backbone in their hearts to be able to stand up for what they believe in. They need to be able to stand up for their inheritance, for what's been given to them. They need to take a stand against the adversary and say, no matter what you offer me, it's not for sale. Leads us to our text. 1 Kings chapter 21, verse 1, it says, and it came to pass after these things. Go and read about the war in 19 and 20 that leads up to this passage. But after these things, it came to pass that Naboth, the Jezreelite, had a vineyard. In Jezreel, next to the palace of King Ahab of Samaria. Bible goes on to record these words. So Ahab spoke to Naboth, said, Give me your vineyard that I might have it for a vegetable garden. Because it is near next to my house. He says, For I, for I will give you a better vineyard than it. Or if it seems good to you, I will give you its worth in money. But Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbid that I should give the inheritance of my fathers to you. I want you to know something that the Bible gives us lineages of kings. Some of the kings in the Bible were good kings. They did great things. Other kings in the Bible were wicked. They did uh, abominable things. They worshiped Baal. They built idols. They had all types of idolatrous things and they turned the gaze of the people that they were to lead to idols and worthless things. But in the midst of all of the kings that the Bible mentions, it cites in on one king and his wife named Ahab and Jezebel. Ahab and Jezebel were some of the most wicked people that ever traversed the planet. 
They were anti-God. They were anti-prophet. They, they did not like the things of God. In fact, if you go and read the story of the life of Elijah, which we're not reading about this morning, but if you go and read about the life of Elijah, you know, she tried to silence the prophet of God, and she tried to kill him and, and, and all types of things of that nature. She hated the prophets, the voice of God, anything that had to do with holiness or righteousness. The problem is, is that Ahab didn't wear the pants in his family. He was spineless. Jezebel, the queen, she was the one that ran the show in, his, in, in her house. And whatever she said, that's what went. The Bible actually tells us, if you look into the lives of Ahab and Jezebel, that a lot of the wickedness that came, came because Ahab would not simply stand up to his wicked wife. So I want you to understand something this morning. In those days, a king was the ultimate authority. It wasn't democratic like we have today. In other words, if Ahab or Jezebel made a decision that nobody liked, they weren't going to get voted out on the next term. It's their way or the highway. And that's the way it was with kings in those days. And the Bible tells us that, they, that Ahab was the king of Samaria. Samaritans and those people have always been a little bit uh, uh, kind of disregarded. But here, Naboth had a vineyard right next to Ahab's palace. Apparently, it was a producing one because he looked at it and he said, man, I want this for myself. And Ahab, we'll read about it here in just a little bit about what happened. But he tried to use his tactics and his authority and ultimately money to bully his way. But what we find out is that Naboth eventually lost his life. But this morning, I want you to see some things that I believe we can pull out some courageous keys of wisdom out of this passage that we can apply to our lives. Go back to our text with me. And uh, I want to show you a couple things. 1 Kings 21, verse 1. I'm going to read it again. It says, It came to pass after these things that Naboth, the Jezreelite, at a vineyard which was in Jezreel next to the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. And so Ahab sat, spoke to Naboth saying, give me your vineyard that I may have it for a vegetable garden because it is near next to my house. For I'll give you a better vineyard, better than it, or if it seems good to you, I'll give you its worth in money. But Naboth said to Ahab, the Lord forbid that I should give the inheritance of my fathers to you. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down this morning. Number one, we must recognize the value of what we have been given. We must recognize the value of what we have been given. You see, Ahab wanted that vineyard. And to be honest, they were an authority and used to getting whatever they wanted. To anybody else, it might have just been a vineyard, lush green piece of land. But to Ahab, it was, uh, it was something to be desired. But to Naboth, it was not just a vineyard. It symbolized his family's legacy. It was their inheritance. It was something 
that had been passed down. See, this morning, I want you to know, friends, we must recognize the value of what we've been given. See, I want you to, to, to get a grasp this morning. There's a difference between the cost and the value. Hello, somebody. Because you can discount something greatly and get a cost, but the value of something is the value of something. And I'm afraid that we have a group of people in the world today, we know the cost of everything and the value of very little. Because so many people are willing to sell away what God has given them. And this morning, my challenge to us is this, is that we must understand the value of what has been given to us. Because if we don't, it's so easy for us to give it away. Naboth had a vineyard. It was his dad's and it's probably passed down from his dad and probably passed down from his dad it symbolized their blood their sweat their tears their heartache and now here Ahab comes and just thinks that because of his position he can finagle himself away into getting that away from him but Naboth said no 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 I cannot give you the inheritance of my fathers this morning I want to ask you the question in this courageous series today. Naboth was willing to stand up for his physical inheritance. But what about our spiritual inheritance? What about our spiritual inheritance? Folks, this morning we sang so many songs about redemption and the gospel the message of Jesus Christ and his lordship and his authority and his victory over death, hell, and the grave. But yet so many people today don't understand the value of that message. If you don't believe me, you just simply go buy a book. Turn on Christian television. If you're still a radio person, find a radio person. You, uh, you'll be hard-pressed to find somebody that gives a clear-cut gospel message. They talk about Jesus, they talk about scripture, but I'm talking about the message of the gospel. That Jesus was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died upon a cross, was buried in a tomb, and on the third day resurrected and is currently seated at the right hand of the Father. And that the only way to get to heaven is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Folks, I had to tell you about that message. That message is what was passed down from our forefathers. They preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. It started when that woman came to the tomb that morning. And they, the, the gardener said, why do you seek Jesus? He's not here. He is risen. That gospel message spread throughout all of Judea and all of Galilee and all of Jerusalem and almost to the uttermost parts of the earth as we're still preaching that message today. But friends, listen, we got to recognize the value of that message. Our fathers bled for that message. They died for that message. And God forbid if we preach any other message except this message. The gospel has a lot of benefits, my friend. The psalmist said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. 
There's benefits to serving God. He wants to bless you. He wants to provide for you. He wants to give you peace. He wants to give you joy. He wants you to overcome. But friends, those are all byproducts of the gospel. And what is happening today is we're giving people the antidote and we're giving them the byproduct and skipping the most valuable thing. It's still the gospel of Jesus Christ that changes lives. It's a bloody gospel. One that an old rugged cross where blood dripped down upon the earth. An old rugged gospel where Jesus was hung between two thieves. We got to recognize the value of that. Paul said, I don't want to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. The gospel changes lives. We've got to resist the compromise to be able to sell out what God has given us. We've got to recognize the value of what we've been given. We've got to recognize the value of it. Folks, you and I are sitting in this church this morning because before us, trailblazers came who had a call, they had a vision. They weren't given a building. It wasn't a turnkey project. A millionaire didn't leave several million dollars. No. Like most other Assembly of God church in this state and probably Baptists and everything else, people came where there was nothing. And they had a vision and they worked hard. And they, many of them worked two jobs, and they never got a check, and they never received an offering, and anything like that. And many of them were pelted out of town. They were run out of town. They were called crazy. They were called fanatics. They were called holy rollers. But yet today, we forget all that. We think, oh, we just got this, and we've got that. No, no, no. We got to recognize the value of what we've been given. Naboth said, God forbid I give you the inheritance of my fathers. I'm not giving it to you. Here's the second thing. It's about to get good this morning. Here's the second thing. Not only must we recognize the value of what we've been given, but number two, we must resist the temptation to compromise. We must resist the temptation to compromise. Now, Naboth said, God forbid, I give the inheritance of my fathers to you. They worked for this vineyard. It's been in my family for decades, and I'm not going to just hand it over. But if you go back into previous verses, here's what, here's what uh, Ahab does. He says, well, I, I want it, and I, I'll give you another vineyard. I'll give you a bigger vineyard. I'll give you a more pretty vineyard. I'll even give you whatever you want in money, whatever it's worth to you. I'll I'll, I'll give it to you. Naboth said, no. I will not give you the inheritance of my fathers. See, here's what I want you to know something, my friend. I said it a moment ago, everything the world says has a price tag. And here's what I want to tell you, and you better hear the word of the Lord this morning. If you have a price, the devil will find it. If you have a price, he'll find it. Whatever you're willing to sell out for, 
Naboth, it was a vineyard, but for you, it might be your convictions. I see young kids raised in the church all the time. Try to warn my own two about it, but it's not cool today to be a Christian. In the midst of a culture where up is down and down is up and boys are girls and girls are boys and some people don't know what they are. In the midst of a culture to where it's not popular to work, it's popular to be lazy. In a culture to where evil is good and good is evil. It's easy for us to cool it a little bit. And if you risk your convictions, Satan will come and offer you something. You know, you'll get more likes on Facebook and Instagram if you don't post that kind of stuff. You know, you'll, you'll get more people in your seats if you don't preach that holiness is still right. You, you'll get more people if you don't tell them that alcohol leads to debauchery. You, you, you'll get more people, Pastor Brad, if, if you just don't tell people that God still requires faithfulness. You could possibly get a bigger church. You could possibly get more influence. But friends, let me tell you something. Everything that glitters is not gold. Because at the end of the day, you got to lay your head on a pillow and realize that I have just traded my father's inheritance for what? A bowl of beans for my birthright. Come on, somebody. I want you to know something. We must resist the temptation to compromise. Because had Ahab and Naboth shook hands, Ahab would have went home with some stuff and he would have left empty inside. He would have left empty inside. See, the enemy comes and he tries to tell us to just compromise, compromise our faith, comprom compromise our influence, compromise our message. You know, in Canada, to be on television, Christian television, the FCC of Canada says you can't preach on this, you can't say that. So if you want to be on our network, then you can't preach on this. And it was a while back I saw where John Hagee was booted off, I think it was, for preaching about homosexuality. Now, see, the problem is the world says, be tolerant, coexist. Everybody's beliefs are important, but Christians. But Christians. Truth is falling in the streets. We must buy it and sell it not. We've got to resist the temptation to compromise, to sell out our standards, our convictions, those things that God has hold us to. There's a lot of churches today. They say Pentecostal on the signs. Their bylaws say assemblies of God. Their doctrinal statement is the 16 fundamental truths. But really in court, they could be sued for false advertisement. 
because there's no move of the Holy Ghost. Their services are so timed and packaged you can't do anything. The clock strikes at 12. It's got to be done and gone and over with. Hello, somebody. Thank God we're not one of those. We're not going to be one of those. Hallelujah. You start on time, yes, that's order. But come on, somebody. We got to resist the temptation to compromise. Why? Because there's something at stake. Whew. You know why we got to resist the temptation to compromise? This just came, the fresh download right here. Because an inheritance, a legacy, is something that passes from one generation to the next generation to the next generation to the next generation. And had Naboth sold it, it would have ended in his line. So the reason some of you, the adversary is trying his hardest to get you to compromise and to sell out and to do something else with your life is because he knows if he can stop it with you, he can stop it with the next generation. But I want to know this morning, are there some Naboths in this room? Are there some people in First Assembly today who will stand up like Naboth and say, devil, it's not for sale. You can't have my integrity. You can't have my anointing. You can't have my marriage. You can't have my calling. You can't have my conviction. It doesn't matter the price because anything that costs you your integrity or your peace costs too much. You don't think people sell out? Go watch America's Got Talent. Go, go watch The Voice. I, help me, Jesus. I watched an anointed, Holy Ghost-filled worship leader try out on the voice with a gospel song. And when he left, backslid. Well, I think I'll just do something else with my life. We got to resist the temptation to compromise. God didn't give us our gifts. Come on now. God didn't give us our gifts. God didn't give us our talents. God didn't give us our abilities so we could go entertain the world with them. God didn't give us our, 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 our callings so that we could go and do something other than the will of God. We've got to resist our temptation to compromise. Here's the third thing. Number three, we must be willing to stand for what's right, no matter the cost. I wish I could rewrite this part of the Bible and we could clap and say, whoo, hurrah, it's wonderful. It didn't end wonderful. It didn't end wonderful. Because see, Ahab and Jezebel are wicked. Wicked people do wicked things. So what happened? Naboth stands up. He said, nope, can't have it. So Ahab goes home. He begins to pout 
to Jezebel. Oh, what's wrong, honey? Well, he told me, he told me I can't have it. What do you mean? You want to sleep on the couch for three weeks? Better make it happen. So she devised a plan. Forged documents, all types of things, end up costing him his life. But hear me this morning, he was willing to stand flat-footed on what his inheritance was. He was not willing to sell out. When Naboth died, and they read his obituary at the funeral home in Jezreel, there's one thing that it did not say. Here lied a man named Naboth who was a sellout. Nope, it's not what he said. Here's what his obituary, here's what his epitaph said. Here lays a man who stood for what he believed in. This morning I'm preaching about gardens and vineyards, but I'm really talking about your own spiritual life. You got to be willing to stand for what's right, no matter the cost. Can I speak to you real plain? A lot of people serve God when it's easy. Can I just be real frank with you? Coming to church is easy in America. You probably got up this morning, left your air-conditioned house, and got in your air-conditioned car, drove down here, sat on a padded pew, and some of you are flipping through Facebook right now. Our sound guys can zoom in on your phone and see what you bought on Amazon. It's cool. All right, it's cool. They do it. They tell me every week, so-and-so bought this on Amazon. You can see that on their phone. Probably came in on a padded seat, hanging out. Didn't cost you a whole lot. Go home, grumble and complain about something you didn't like. I hear about that too. But I want you to know something. At the end of the day, nobody ever said serving Jesus was easy. I know popular authors say that every, every, every day should be a Friday. And everybody says you've got to have your best life now. But I want to tell you something. My best life's not now. My best life's in eternity. Because in eternity, there's no death, there's no pain, there's no sorrow, there's no heartache, there's no loss, there's no separation. Naboth died for what he believed in. You ready for this? So did Matthew. So did Peter. Eleven of the twelve apostles of Jesus Christ died a martyr's death because they were not willing to compromise what they believed in. And then listen, John escaped, but it wasn't because they didn't try. They literally heated up a vat of oil and tried to boil him alive, and he escaped as an old man. 
What am I trying to say this morning? We got to be willing to stand for what's right, no matter the cost. Young people, let me talk to you specifically. This gospel is not going to be popular around a lot of your friends. When your friends try to get you in the back seat of a car, or when they try to entice you with drugs and alcohol, the easy thing would be to just go with the flow. But the courageous thing is to say, I'm not selling my inheritance. It's not worth it. Pastor Brad, I'm going to lose all my friends. They're not your friends anyway. They're not. Because I promise you, if the police come after you, you're going to look behind you and they're going to run off in the bushes or something somewhere. Who? What? What you talking about? We don't know what you're talking about. You got to be willing to stand for what's right if it costs you friends. You got to be willing to stand for what's right if it costs you influence. I am more than happy doing what I do for the rest of my life and to know that there may be some things I never get invited to. There's some circles I'll never be a part of because I'm unwilling to soften a stance in an area. It's important for us to be able to stand. Why? Because there's another generation behind us that needs the example of us holding to that standard. Are you with me this morning? See, it's courageous to do the right thing. The Bible says the wicked pursue, the wicked flee rather when no one is pursuing them. But the righteous are bold as a lion. I want to ask a question this morning. How many of you are willing to say from this day forward, it's not for sale? Listen, any time you compromise your conviction, you are giving the enemy leeway into your life. There's an old saying that says, if you give the devil an inch, he'll become your ruler. If you crack the door open just a little bit, here he comes. We talked about it a little bit this morning. For our adversary, the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. But this morning, you've got to make a choice. I'm not going to be devourable. Recapping quickly. Number one, you've got to recognize the value of what we've been given. We've been given this pure, unadulterated gospel of Jesus Christ that changes lives. This gospel... can make a sinner a saint. This gospel can sober an alcoholic. This gospel can break the chains of addiction. This gospel can restore the identity to a prodigal. There's value in it. The blood that Jesus paid 
was valuable. Just one drop of that efficacious blood of Jesus was powerful enough to save every sinner in humanity, past, present, and future. It's valuable. And that message has been passed down. It went from the mouth of Jesus to the apostles, to Mary, to Paul, the woman at the well. It went to the Ethiopian eunuch. That message has went down from generation to generation. R.A. Torrey, Smith Wigglesworth, Maria Woodworth Etter, Ian Bell, Paul Sharp, all the preachers who've gone before us in the past, that, that value of that message has been passed down to us. So we must resist the temptation to compromise it. No matter the price that is offered. I want to recall your attention to Jesus after his baptism. In the Gospel of Luke, the Bible records that he was driven by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. The Bible says that he was taken up to the pinnacle of a high mountain and he was shown all the kingdoms of the world. And Satan said, if you bow down to me today, I will give all of this to you. Jesus said, no, no, no. It is written, you shall worship the Lord thy God and only him shall you serve. No price is good enough to compromise. Can I tell you why? Because it doesn't matter what the world offers you. Money, fortune, fame, influence, friends, popularity. If you have all of that without Jesus, you have nothing. It means nothing. It's vanity. It's empty. Number three, we've got to resist. I'm sorry, we've got to resist the temptation to compromise. And number three, we've got to be willing to stand for what's right, no matter the cost. Some of you need to make the resolve today. And I'm closing. You can stand, please. Some of you need to make the resolve today. If it costs me something, it's okay. See, some of you in America, I would have to surmise, following Jesus, probably on the statistical poll, probably won't cost you your life. It could. But as we stand as a nation right now, probably not. You, you may have somebody post something mean on your Facebook page or something like that, and I know that'll hurt your feelings. But you're probably not dying for the gospel, at least if you're here. I'm not saying it can't happen. I'm saying statistical probability. But what if it costs you your friends? What if it costs you relationships or influence because you say, you know what? Can't stand for that no more can't do that anymore. I can't go there anymore. I can't watch that anymore. We can't hang out anymore because I'm not selling my inheritance. It's not worth it. Listen, this morning, I want to pray for you. 